0: from the APR Creation Studio this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast Hot Takes Edition after Florida State closes out the 2022 regular season with a state championship 45 to 38 over Florida in a game that really didn't need to be that close but you'll take any win you can get against a rival and uh yeah this is this is a season that I think if you asked Florida State fans across the country, if you asked boosters, if you asked a lot of folks in the Moore Center before the season, look, I can guarantee you 9-3 and and wins over Miami and Florida, take it or leave it, beginning of the season. And I would venture to guess that over 90% of Florida State fans stakeholders people associated with the with with the program of any sort over 90% of them would have taken that deal so even though i mean looking back at this season you have to you have to feel kind of bittersweet about this because there's they they just absolutely should not have lost that nc state game a game where they outplayed nc state through virtually that whole game and just a couple really bad situational mistakes cost them that game including one that you just never see and then you look at the Wake Forest game and just a few plays go the other way a couple a couple plays that guys just get beat one on one a couple you know bad breaks go the other way and you win that one. you lose six and a half minutes against Clemson and it costs you that game. I mean, you look at this season and you go wow, you're that close to not only being in the ACC championship game, but but plan to get into the playoff. That's how close you are. But even with that, even considering the kind of bittersweet aspect of this team was was actually pretty good and had a real shot, and it's just too bad that some of the injury luck clustered when it did. Well, you still look at this and you go, this was still a really, really good season for this program a huge step forward for Mike Norvell and really you know and I, you've heard me use this this term before quite a bit proof of concept for what he's selling on the recruiting trail and Florida State's got some juice on the recruiting trail right now that they they have not had and I think winning and being in this in the position to uh to show what that offense can do when it actually has playmakers it's they sell it as an offense built for playmakers. Well, it's hard to show that when you don't have playmakers, and they didn't the last couple of years. I mean, you guys will remember last year before the season, I said, look, they're going to have to score with smoke and mirrors because I don't know who's going to make a play. They just don't have anybody. Well, this year, they they had some dudes, and those dudes, some of those dudes really made, made some plays in this game. Trey Benson in particular, 20 carries, 111 yards, three touchdowns. 5.6 yards per carry. Yeah, that's healthy. Add to that two catches for 51 yards for 25.5 per. Yeah, that's that's getting it done against a, against a rival. And the, the thing, honestly, when I'm looking at this now, Trey Benson really should seriously consider going pro, as much as it hurts to say that, because I want to see him another year in garnet and gold. He really needs to consider hitting the hitting the draft now because he's his stock is going to be red hot after the way he finished this year. He's got essentially zero miles on his body. He does have that big injury in the past, so they're going to, you know, want to check him out medically no matter what. And, you know, he's got all those traits and he breaks a ton of tackles, so he's a guy that the NFL is going to be really interested in. Now, there are arguments for him staying. I mean, you could see him come on late in the year because partly because he was relearning how to run the football and getting some of those instincts back in terms of vision and all of that. And he really improved over the course of the year there. So maybe, you know, maybe he gets a little bit better in those respects and all of that for next year. But yeah, I mean, at, at that position, a lot of times you just tell guys you got to seriously consider it and he needs to consider it selfishly. I I would like to see him back in Garnet and gold next year for sure. But, uh, but yeah, this huge performance in a rivalry game from, from Trey Benson, I don't think they win this game if they don't have Trey Benson on the roster. That's the thing. You've got to have those playmakers. On top of that, you had uh, Kentron Portier, who just put up a three catches for 37 yards, but one really important touchdown where showed the strong hands to go out and get it. Johnny Wilson, only two catches on nine targets, so that's not great. Had a couple drops also not great, but made one absolutely gigantic, just an enormous third down catch that is a one-on-one situation, and that's why you brought that guy in. That's why he's on campus, is for that play. And he did it. And that's the difference in the ballgame, is you've got those guys. So, yeah, I, I think that's the thing, that now... As Norvell is selling this program, you know, they're going to be hitting the, the recruiting trail immediately. And of course, this was a big visit weekend as well. This is where you sell to some of those guys that you're, that you're talking to and you go, you know, look, when we have players in this offense, we lead the nation in big place. Do you want to be a guy that is known for hitting home runs? Because we put you in positions where if you can, if you have the ability, you're going to hit a lot of home runs in our offense. That's a really attractive recruiting pitch, just in terms of performance and making you look good as a player. And once again, they were able to do it in this game. Before I forget, I want to thank my sponsors. That is Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. Shenandoah Newsma of Shen Real Estate in the Research Triangle of North Carolina. That's shenrealestate.com. Garage Makeover is the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. And of course, EPR Creations, bringing you the best of internet marketing and website development for an affordable price. Thank you to all of those sponsors for working working with me over the course of this year. Uh, I've also been... Contacted by a few others that I'll probably be uh, adding in the off season. Uh I am a little bit careful about who I partner with in terms of uh, in terms of advertising, but uh, some more stuff's going to come on, on the way. Uh, really appreciate it, though, for those of you who help make this show possible. And that includes you listeners who tell other people about this show and uh, all the Patreon subscribers who've been just in- incredibly generous. Some of you have been beyond generous in your support of this program over the years, and I really appreciate that. So moving to, to some discussion of the game, this was, uh, this was not a game to watch. If you were really a fan of efficient passing, (laughs) you look at the numbers, Anthony Richardson, nine of 27 for 198 yards, three scores and an interception, 33% completion percentage. So yeah, that's, um, that's not great, but the overall yards per completion, 22 yards per completion for uh, for Richardson there, and uh, and seven yards sack adjusted yards per pass attempt, so that's actually not bad in terms of overall you know average, but the inability to complete passes through that important stretch they went without a completion through. The entire third quarter into the fourth quarter, uh, I think it was eight minutes in, in the second quarter, the last completion until they got well into the fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was three minutes left in the, third qu- or in the fourth quarter, somewhere in there where they finally got a completion there. But uh, early in the game, it was bombs away. And looking at how this game went on, you know, this game did not need to be as close as it was, as I said at the beginning. Uh, Florida State defensively came out a bit unprepared uh, i thought and that's not just on in inter- not not so much schematically i think schematically they were generally okay but they made some mistakes at the safety position at the nickel position a couple times where you just look at it and you're like how can that happen you've got you know second year guys third year guys making these just technique, just obvious technique mistakes or, or assignment mistakes that you can't have this late in the season in a rivalry game where you know what you, you you've got to know what your assignment is, you've got to know how to execute it, and you got guys just not doing it. The, the per, perhaps the most obvious example is that I think it was the third touchdown pass was the one to uh, to Pearsall. Well, I guess he had two. It was the second one to Pearsall, where uh, he he just had single coverage with Kevin Knowles and Knowles just allowed him to run inside there. And I I don't understand here like that. That is just baffling to me because you know, you're in zero coverage. You know, you don't have a deep safety there. So you have to play that inside leverage. You absolutely have to play it inside leverage. If he's going to get down the field, you have to squeeze it. If you're going to play outside leverage and try to force it to a robber or something, that's one thing. But you just cannot let him have that inside lane and try to play trail there. You just can't do it. And it's that sort of thing that really has frustrated me from Florida State's secondary at times this year. And, and secondary overall was just too inconsistent on the day. I mean, they gave, up, they gave up too much. They gave up some easy stuff down the field. This was a team we knew coming in. And this is what I talked about on the preview coming in. It's a Florida team that if you force them to execute in the passing game, they're going to have trouble doing it consistently. They don't complete a high percentage of their passes and look, 33% on 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 the game. What you can't do is just let him line up, play action, bombs away, and throw over the top because that guy does throw pretty well there. So you have to take away the big plays. You have to do the thing that Florida State had been really good at all year. Prevent the big plays, force them to execute in that shorter passing area, and eventually the the inconsistency, the inaccuracy is going to come out. That's what we knew, and yet in the first half, they just allowed guys just straight behind him. I, I don't quite understand what was going on there from the from the secondary perspective. And again, this is just basic assignment soundness, uh, assignment ah oh, jeez, assignment soundness, and. Uh, and, and and technique and these are things again it's just showing up too much in the secondary there's too much sloppiness there's too much lack of communication too much uh too many busts in the secondary and too many flaws in technique at times for a team that's that's been together and that you've you know got guys in their second third year playing those positions you just can't have that happen can't so what that means for the future, well, I mean, that's the sort of thing that Norvell's gonna have to figure out. But that that was not that was not a good a good thing. And and 21 points, essentially in the first half, 21 points were pretty close to given to Florida. You could at least argue that 14 of them were just given or awarded by poor play in the secondary. Just poor technique, poor assignment soundness, poor eye discipline, etc. You can't do that against a team that you know that that's the only bullet they have in the passing game. You can't let them hit the mark with that one. So yeah, that's, that's that. Then, you know, Florida came on after they hit a couple deep ones, they came on and they were able to run the football, uh, particularly in the second quarter. They were, they were, that looked like that game was starting to get away from Florida state in the second quarter where they were able to run it with success and looking at the uh looking at the quarter half numbers here so first quarter 14 all both teams did their thing and you could see eight 8.4 yards per play from florida that ain't good 9.9 yards from florida state uh if you're the florida defense that also ain't good but then in the th- in the second quarter you could see the, the the rushing average, 5.3 yards per carry in the second quarter. I mean, they had 5.1 in the first, but it was mostly on a couple longer runs. In the second quarter, they were, they were able to just sort of line up and pound Florida State defensively for a good bit of that quarter. And uh, again, 7.7 yards per play in that quarter. End of the first half, Florida was outgaining Florida State eight yards per play to 7.5 yards per play. So definitely not a lot of de- not, not a lot of defense being played in that first half. Now, of course, in the second half, Florida State held Florida to 4.7 yards per play. Now, you might make the argument that that that's because Florida got into garbage time and, you know, they they started shutting it down as an as an offense, as, you know, often happens against Florida State that, uh, you know, teams just decide to to shut their offense down and, and go into the tank a little bit on offense. So maybe it's that. Uh, I don't think so, though, uh, especially since they only led by three going into that half, and you know Florida State was ahead pretty soon after that. So maybe it's just that FSU did what they often do and made some small adjustments and uh, also fixed some of the communication and other errors that they had uh, in the first half. So held them to 4.7 yards per play, which is a little bit better than I thought they would through the game. So it's a tale of two halves, really, on that side of the ball. I mean, I thought FSU would give up somewhere in the range of, if you remember, 5.5 yards per play, somewhere in there. Uh, So the second half, they outperformed my expectations. The first half, they significantly underperformed my, my expectations. And again, that's the result of those big plays that they just allowed down the field and they the one thing I was pretty confident Florida State would not do is allow just huge plays over the top that's the thing that they haven't done a bunch of this year and they just let it happen in this game in the first half took care of that in the second half and really what they did in the second half is they kind of gamed Florida's run pass principles so you know they Florida's one of those teams that that They'll box count, they'll do they'll take a look at what matchups you have, where where the where the space is up front. And Florida State sort of they changed what they did up front a little bit. They went to some bear, they tightened up on in between the uh between the, the guards, some of those things, brought brought some extra uh beef in inside there. And Florida just th- started throwing it a little bit in the second half. You look at the number of rushing attempts in the second half. Uh, first half, they ran it 25 times and threw it 10 times. Second half, they ran it 21 times and threw it 17 times. Now, some of that may have been because they got behind, but I think that's largely one of the reasons they got behind. And I think ultimately FSU was able to, uh, to sort of game them into th- into throwing the football more than they, than they should have. And I think, honestly, FSU is fortunate that Napier and that offensive staff decided not to run the football more in the second half. If they'd run the, run the ball more in the second half, again, 6.3 yards per carry given up in the second half, they'd run it more in the second half. They might've managed to pull this game out, but you know, it's hard to win when you're going four for 17, throwing the football in a half where the other team's actually moving the football as well. So second half, I mean, rushing numbers, Florida, 21 carries for 6.3 yards. Florida State, 23 carries for 3.3 yards per carry. Those per carry numbers, I mean, Florida significantly outgained FSU, and they ultimately won the line of scrimmage over the course of the game for the most part in this in, in this matchup. Uh, and that's something, I mean, it shouldn't be that surprising. When we talked about this coming into the game. I said in the preview, this was the best offensive line, most likely the best offensive line that Florida State had played. It's probably a top five offensive line in the country, and they played like it. Uh, they they were able to at times push FSU's defensive front around. Again, FSU at different points was able to to get enough stops to string to string sufficient stops together to to force some punts and to get Florida's offense off the field. And ultimately, that's what you need to do. They were able to also in the second half get some key uh, calls right, where they guessed right. Were able to run blitz or or. Bring a guy off the edge when when it was play action to cause some problems. So so some of that was also there, uh, you know, on Florida State's defense taking care of business there. I should mention also that it was very obvious once again when Florida State's backup defensive tackles were on the field. This is just not the same football team when you have Lovett and uh, and Cooper on the sideline. They they just are not the same defense, and that's something that going into next year they're going to have to figure out. They are. I mean, Ao is going to be a big. Uh, t- that's Ao Tifase. He's going to be a big contributor on the inside. Like I've said before, he would be the number three defensive tackle on this team right now. I'm confident of that. So coming into next year, he's a guy that needs to step up and fill some shoes. But they they really are going to need to handle. They're going to need to figure out how to improve at that defensive tackle spot. Going into next year, that's that's one of the big concerns for me. Going into next year, is is really making sure that they have one more difference maker at that defensive tackle spot. They they need to have that, and and it probably you probably can't expect that to be a true freshman. They're going to need to have either one of the guys who's currently on the roster really step up and develop and become that guy. Now, I really like Daniel Lyons' potential. For one. I think he's a guy that has a chance to to step up and be a guy next year. Another guy, I think this is why they moved Antavius Woody to the defensive tackle spot. I, I think they were look they were assessing what they've got at the offensive line and assessing sort of where they're at on the defensive line and decided look, we we gotta have another guy who might be that kind of athlete, that kind of difference maker with a big thick body on the on the inside in order to to be where we need to be next year and and I think that's that's got to be a part of that thinking, but they're going to have to find some solutions for that going into next year because they definitely got run on significantly more when those backups were on the field and uh and yeah that's that's definitely a cause for concern and and of course you know some of these guys will likely sit out the bowl game and start prep for for the nfl i mean I think someone like uh lovett for example that that's a guy that I don't think anybody should begrudge if he sits out the bowl game, right? And starts prepping for the senior bowl and getting himself healthier and all of that. And, you know, same with Cooper. I mean, you you, you don't begrudge those guys for deciding to sit out for the bowl game. And so that's going to mean they're going to have to figure out how to handle life without those guys, perhaps against a pretty good team. Because I think this team, you know, if Clemson manages to make the playoff and and we'll see what happens this weekend, but it's entirely possible that Clemson makes the playoff. I mean, this team might might wind up in the Orange Bowl. It's n- not not entirely impossible, but either way, they're they're probably going to wind up getting the number two bid from the from the ACC, and so they'll play a pretty good team. And they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do at that defensive tackle spot uh, for for the bowl game because I I don't really expect Lovett and Cooper to uh, stick it out for the bowl game, given you know what's at stake for them. Moving forward, I mean, I, I think versus another guy, I'm curious to see what he does for that. Uh, but again, they're going to have to figure out some things in in that respect. Uh, now, offensively, when you when you look at this game, the offense won the football game. I mean, the defense handled their business in 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 the, in the uh, second half. Again, four point seven yards per play in the second half. That's getting it done defensively. That, that's really good against a Florida offense that can be explosive. Uh, they, they took away those explosives. Minus one, you had that one long run from ETN, where, again, you, you had backup defensive tackles on the field, and the uh, you know, linebacker was uh, communicating at the moment and didn't get a good trigger on duo, and defensive tackles got pushed around. Huge hole, linebacker's not there. Easy touchdown. So uh aside from that play, I mean they basically shut 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 them down. They took away the uh the big plays in the second half. I mean, you look at Florida's big plays in the second half. You had one with 406 left. You had a the deep pass uh to Odom for 21 yards and then you had the you had ETN for a 35-yard gain in the th- uh near the end of the third quarter. You had a 15-yard gain, 15-yard run on that third and eight where uh, Richardson basically carried the entire defense he had a 15 yard run there and then a 45 yard run by ETN. So you had four big plays in the second half total that you gave up. I mean, that's not terrible. It's still a couple of those weren't good, uh, but pretty big difference. Florida State in the second half had one, two, three, uh, let's see, four, five, six, seven big plays in the second half and, and and I think that difference ultimately is is the difference in the game. But like I said, the, the the offense by and large won this football game with just consistency and and being able to hit big plays. I mean, Florida State's offense was pretty consistent on the night. 5.2 yards per carry and then you add to that, uh let's see in terms of yards per completion, 20.8 <laughs> yards per completion uh and Overall yards per play, 6.7 yards per play on the night. So Florida State actually outgained every one of their opponents on the season in yards per play. That That's pretty rare, and that's something that really good teams tend to do. So 6.7 yards per play, that's almost dead on. I was saying about 6.8 would be the expectation in this game. So it's almost dead on expectation. 6.3 is a good bit more than the 5.5 I expected them to give up. Again, most of that was in the first uh, first first half. But, you know, 6.7 yards per play. And the thing that maybe was most impressive about Florida State's offensive performance in this is that they stayed so patient when they got down, when, you know, it just it seemed like the the game might be just sneaking away from them a little bit. They really stuck with what they do. And they were they were patient. They also had a few wrinkles up their sleeve, a little throwback, uh, you know, that that was went for a big play. Uh, at exactly the right time they had uh, a couple downfield throws that hit at the right time thing is this game offensively could have been I think significantly more impressive because that first half you had I need to go back and look at it again but I remember at least four drops that were you know first downs potentially touchdowns Uh, I think one one potential touchdown and then three potential first downs that were dropped that ended drives and and really kept the offense kind of in quicksand in the first half and it would have been easy for the offense to just kind of hang its head and we've seen Florida State teams in the past do that in that kind of in that context and they kept coming and they kept finding that space they kept doing what they needed to do kept chopping wood and then got a few stops and then got ahead and, and put the game away once Florida pulled even once again. So, you know, this was, this was really quality play from the offense. And, you know, Jordan Travis deserves a tremendous amount of credit in this game. I mean, even though he was 13 of 30, 43% completion percentage. So that's not the best in this game. Uh, he put the ball in danger a couple times, had one that should have been a pick six, uh, one that probably should have been intercepted along the sidelines. So, couple turnover worthy throws there, which he hasn't made a bunch of this year, but he had two in this game. So got a little bit lucky with a couple of them, but all in all made some, made some key throws too. And made, like I said, it made a few key throws in the first half that should have been caught and ultimately weren't. So that, that completion percentage probably should have been a good bit higher. I mean, probably should have been something like 18 for 30 or, you know, 19 for 30 instead of 13 for 30, just based on which balls hit, hit guys in the hands. But the thing that really stood out in this one was they clearly took the leash off in terms of him running. This was a game where 15 carries for 83 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. And that includes sack yardage. Uh, let's see. They had uh they had one sack for <laughs> minus one yards. So again, even the sack that they had on him was a, uh, w- was, was not much of a loss because of what he was able to do. And then you had the one play where he's in the backfield and, He had four guys had him dead to rights and somehow he did the Houdini act and escaped and got down for what initially looked like a touchdown. I think it was the right call not to have him in there. And Florida state ended up, uh, having Benson score there on the, on the flip flip play there. But, uh, you know, that's, or actually, no, that was the one that, uh, that Travis sort of trotted in, uh, the next play there. But, um, but yeah, I I mean, that, that that's a play that's probably going to be on Florida, Florida state Highlight films in or highlight reels in Tallahassee for you know years to come. It's a highlight for the ages, and you know that Houdini act was was on multiple times tonight. And I think you could see in this game how banged up Travis was in that October stretch. And basically, those games he came back and played right away after that injury against uh, against Louisville, and you could see. He, was just, he wasn't just—he was moving like this. If you go back and you watch those games, he was not moving like this. It's not just that they weren't letting him run. He was not moving like this in the pocket or when he needed to escape or all that. That level of explosion was just not there through a good portion of the year. He was just surviving. He was hobbling around out there. And then in this game, you could see he's finally gotten healthy. And, and he's capable of making guys look silly because he's really explosive once he has... All his wheels and uh and and that really made a difference in this game. I mean, it was the Florida State running game, two hundred plus yards yet again, two hundred and twenty seven yards and five touchdowns on the ground for Florida State that'll do in a rivalry game. That was the difference now I should mention folks will probably complain even in a in a win here about the about the officiating honestly I thought the officiating was was pretty even overall uh This was a crew that defaulted to letting some stuff go, which is what they tend to do in the s e c I would prefer that over the ACC's tendency to micromanage games and call a you know a lot of ticky tack stuff. They let stuff go down the down the field in some potential pass interference situations. A couple you know hands graze face masks and they don't call it those sorts of things. They they let they let teams play. And then of course you you know you have you hear might hear the screaming about well, what about the pass interference? You know Osweiler and them were. They they were talking about that as a bad call the whole time. They they were wrong about that. If you go back and you watch that replay, he had his he had the right arm of the receiver pinned. Receiver went to reach for it, couldn't get the arm out. As a good call, I didn't think so. The first two times I watched it, I went back and you know the third time I watched it again, watched it a little closer and went, yeah, I'd have called it too. Um, definitely some calls I would have made differently. I mean, I think they should have called pass interference uh, on the on the uh, pipe play to. Uh, Toafili going down the middle of the field that that Travis overthrew. Toafili got hooked on that play when he uh, when he was going up the field. That was I was actually alerted to that by someone else in text. Uh, Toafili got hooked on that play and that might have scored otherwise. And that's one that you got to call. Uh, so there are a few that 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 should have been called in this game, you know, could have called some holds on both both offensive lines. But by and large, they let those guys play. And, and I think in general for this kind of game, especially that's, that's the right, right approach. Uh, yeah. So in terms of other things, it's going to be really interesting to see how, how this pays off, how, how nine wins and a chance to stretch it to 10 in the bowl game. And again, you get a win in the bowl game and you're stretching that positive momentum all the way into the off season. And you're going to start talking about, you're, you're going to get teams, you're people talking about Florida state as a top 10 team going into next year, if you win your bowl game and you know, the goodwill that that produces in terms of, of positive buzz in the, on the scouting or on the uh, recruiting trail. And just in general, when it comes to recruiting potential new members to your staff, whether that's support staff or whether you need to replace a, a position coach or two, that makes a big difference. And, you know, I think Florida state's in a very healthy place now moving forward uh, because Norvell and that that staff have managed to get that that uh that culture turned, that culture flipped. They've managed to 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 remold this team into a team that plays that plays really hard, that believes in what they're doing and uh and plays a really fr- fun brand of football on offense. Uh there are very few offenses in the country that I would rather watch or study than Norvell's and I think we're all pretty spoiled there. So uh be very interesting seeing where this goes into the off season. I mean, I think win the bowl game and Florida state has a chance, a legit chance at being off season runner ups. And you know, that it's been a long time since Florida state was in position to do that. Of course, Miami is the 20 time defending national champions of the off season. So I I wouldn't expect Florida state to, to be able to, uh, supersede Miami's off season, off season, uh, uh, capacity, but they may well wind up second to Miami in that offseason. And, you know, that's that's a major accomplishment because, you know, that I, I just don't know that it's possible to beat a Miami team in the offseason. Nevertheless, they're gonna give it their best their best shot. And like I said, this program is definitely on the right track. To get nine wins out of this season is outperforming pretty much everyone's expectations I mean you remember most folks coming into the season felt like seven would be a success with this team I was not one of those people if you remember I thought this team had playmakers and had a chance to to do better than that uh, I thought eight or nine wins was probably the the likelihood and I think they they've largely outproduced what I expected so uh this is this is a major step forward for for the program puts them in position to be able to recruit further talent more playmakers and and there's already some buzz about a couple guys that that may want in uh, there's one uh, transfer that is already uh you know a viable possibility in in that respect and then some other high school talent that they have a chance of bringing in and the thing is this the the benefits of this year are won't even really kick in until the next recruiting class. So not the 2023 one, but the 2024 one. That's when you're really going to see that see things pay off because those guys who are just now in that junior year and are really seeing that development, those guys are starting to make their decisions and starting to think about where they may want to play and and Florida State's now looking much more viable for those guys. So this is this is huge for the program uh and never bad to be state champs in in Florida. Never take it for granted. Good on you, Mike Norvell and, uh, and, and the whole staff, and a uh, good way to wrap up a Thanksgiving weekend for Florida State fans and stakeholders everywhere. We'll go ahead and wrap there. As always, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealestate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.